Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam's mission is to make Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. If you have benefited from Qalam's work, please share it on with others. Continue to make dua, pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts our efforts and that Allah gives us the ability to continue to serve more and more people. And thirdly, become a part of our mission. Plant your own sadaqajariya, your continuous charity, by contributing and supporting our work by going to supportqalam.com. Please visit the link, lend us your generous support, become a part of this mission, and share that link with others so that we can continue to do more and more work and help more and more people. Jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi This is Abdurrahman Murphy, and you are listening to our latest heartwork series called Becoming a Friend of Allah Lessons from the Life of Prophet Ibrahim. If you benefit from and appreciate the work that we do here at Roots, please consider becoming a sustainer at slash sustain. Your contributions go a very long way in supporting the work that we do. And if you're ever in the Dallas area, please give us the honor of being able to host you. We'll have a cup of coffee for you at Suhba, inshallah, and we'll be able to welcome you home in person. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi jama'in. Welcome home, everybody. It's good to see you, alhamdulillah. We have a short class tonight because Maghrib has, um, you know, come in earlier and earlier, alhamdulillah. So, uh, first of all, happy winter, everybody. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Maghrib inshallah is just about 35 minutes, 40 minutes So we are going to get started inshallah um, And then next week, just a reminder to everybody We are going to be starting after Maghrib So next week Maghrib is at 729 And so we're going to be starting with Maghrib And then we're going to be coming in here inshallah So Suhbah will still be open from 6 until Maghrib And then Maghrib will be offered, inshallah, on the masjid, and then we can come back here and we'll have our class, inshallah, roughly 45, 50 minutes, and then inshallah, it'll be just a few weeks until it moves back to the, the, the time that we uh, have become accustomed to. Okay, so Surah Safat, okay, so we are now in uh, a different frame, a different story for Prophet Ibrahim salam. What does it mean to be a friend of Allah? How did he achieve this amazing title, this status of being a friend with Allah? He has uh, some amazing lines here, and I want, I want everyone to, inshallah, you know, really remember and memorize some of these points that he says tonight that I think are really beautiful. Allah Ta'ala shares with us some amazing uh, things. Everyone, first of all, say alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. You know why? Because whether or not you verbally did it or whether or not you did it in your heart, everybody prayed for a low of 70 uh, you know, and so you're getting this cool weather. Don't forget to thank Allah. Whenever your du'as are answered, don't forget to say thank you, right? Otherwise, you might not get your du'as answered in the future. Okay, so we're going to start with ayah number 86. So Ibrahim, alayhi salam, of course, we've, we've gone over the story where he, alayhi salam, peace be upon him, had engaged with his family, had engaged with his community about the idols that they had made. A couple things that he mentions here that I think uh, are interesting is that he says here in ayah 86 is it the false gods that you desire instead of Allah 
وَأَذَنْ فَمَا ظَنُّكُمْ بِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ What do you expect from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? I know we've gone over this story like three or four different angles, but I wanted to share this one line because I thought it was absolutely amazing. Ibrahim salam teaches us a very important frame of mind to understand. And that is that if you devote yourself to other than Allah, then to be fair, if you want to be a fair person, you should not then expect that you will get anything you want whenever you make dua from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The reality is that if a person wants to be able to pray to Allah and have that relationship, that supplication, they can't treat Allah like a fair weather friend. They can't take him for granted and only show up when they want to. Why? Because it's not because Allah can't. That's not the, ever the case. Allah can and Allah will. But it, it's because it indicates a lack of sincerity on your part. If I only call somebody when I need something, then that means that I'm not sincere, correct? Like if you pick up the phone and I call you, and I only call you when I need something. I'm never calling to check up on you, never calling to see how you are when you're sick. Never. None of those things. No congratulations when you accomplish something. The only time that I reach out is when I need something, then there is a very clear indication that I'm not a sincere friend. Right? And if you've ever been put in that scenario, you know how that feels. Now imagine Ibrahim is challenging these people. And he's saying that when it comes to your life, you dedicate yourself to everything else besides Allah. So then what do you expect of him? What do you expect that Allah Ta'ala will give you in return? Right? So if, if I find it difficult, if I'm like in a moment in my life right now where I'm like, man, subhanAllah, you know, like I have difficulty focusing on just devoting myself to Allah. Everything else takes precedent. What are some signs of this? I miss my prayers constantly. I don't, I don't regularly make dua unless I'm like at my 11th hour, right? The buzzer's about to go and, I, and I'm, I'm desperate. So I just ask Allah way, way too late in the scenario. Right? I don't thank Allah regularly enough until he takes something away. These are all signs that I'm not prioritizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the reality is I have some work to do. I have some devotional work to do. Okay, But if I am somebody that is working on that relationship constantly, and I want Allah to be first in my life, then I know, just as two best friends know, right? what was he called? The friend of Allah. Two best friends know what? They know that the other one will always be there for them. They have no doubt. There's an anxiety that, oh, that was cute. I saw people look at each other and smile. Okay. There's an anxiety that we feel when we know we have to reach out to somebody that we haven't spoken to in a long time. You avoid it because you're like, I don't know how they're going to take this. Do you ever think that with someone who's a best friend? No. The best friend, you're like, you don't even ask, hey, are you free? You just say, I'm coming over, right? It's the, it, the, de the default is, I'm coming over unless otherwise, tell me otherwise. Tell me no, right? And then they'll tell you like, hey, no, not, it's not a good time or whatever. You're like, oh, okay, that's fine. But for the person that you are distant from, you don't speak to very often, you first have to, hey, are you free? What's going on? You want to get a bite to eat? You want to do this? You have to preface it with so much. Don't let Allah get so distant in your life that you have to preface with him. Make Allah the friend that you're so close to that whenever you reach out to him, it's not like, oh, hey, Allah, it's been a long time. It's Allah, it's me again. I know that I was asking you for something this morning. And I know this, this afternoon I was thanking you for something else. And I know on the drive home I remembered you for another reason. But oh, Allah, I wanted to finish my day 
by thanking you for this. Just so consistent, so regular with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? All right. Then we know that he went through this process of elimination with all of the different things that they worshipped. And what did they worship? He looked up and he glanced and gazed upon the stars. Why? Because these people used to devote themselves and worship, not worship the stars, but they used to treat the stars as some sort of deity, that the stars would give us some sort of sign that we could go. I mean, even nowadays they do this, right? Horoscopes and all that. So people look to other things for some sort of sign. فَقَالَ إِنِّي سَقِيمٌ This line shook me. I'll tell you why. I was speaking earlier with Ustad Ubaidullah. He teaches year one, right? The foundational year in Arabic. And he, <laughs> yes. And he said something very interesting. I was speaking to another person who talked about how they accidentally, unfortunately, ate pork accidentally. Okay, they were in a Muslim country. It was a non-Muslim restaurant. They served them pork. They ate pork. They were freaking out. They texted me. I said, I'm so sorry. You're going to hell. No, I didn't say that, right? <laughs> but, but they were like texting. They were like, can you believe it? What do I do? Do I pray Isha multiple times? And so, you know, sent them some ayat that Allah Ta'ala does not blame a person for things that they do while for in forgetfulness. The Prophet Sallallahu said that, uh, you know, the pen has been lifted over mistakes and nisyan, forgetfulness. So it's not your fault, especially if you're in a Muslim-majority country, right? And it just happens to be like that one person who has a restaurant who imports pork and all that, okay? But it's interesting because Ustad Ubaidullah said to me, he said, you know, I've heard stories of people that when they ate something that was impermissible, before realizing that it wasn't permissible, right? Like they ate it and they're like, hmm, this tastes kind of interesting. They didn't know that it was haram. They didn't know that it was cooked with pork or whatever. They would actually get sick and they would actually even like throw up. And I looked, ew, exactly. And I looked and I looked at Ustad Ubaidullah and I said to him, I said, no, there's no, that, are you serious? And wallahi, I was just reading these ayat right after that conversation. He said, yeah, man, like they eat something and, and they're, it's almost like their fitrah knows that it's haram and they feel sick. And I said, man, that's really interesting. And then the next ayah I read is Ibrahim saying, I feel sick. He said, I feel sick. Why? Because when he engaged, when he even entertained, not genuinely, when he even like, hypothetically entertain the idea that let me go ahead and take a look at what you guys devote yourselves to. Then he just said, I feel nauseous. You know why this is such a powerful verse, subhanAllah? It's powerful because it teaches us something. And that is, and this is going to be a little bit of a hard hitter. So are you ready or no? If you're not ready, then I can tell stories. Okay, you ready? Yeah, we have, mashallah, he's ready. How do you and I feel when we see something that we know is haram? How do we feel? There's levels to this, right? So the first level is, well, I do, I do what I want. So if it's haram, I just do it. And there's no regret, no remorse, right? That's a sign of a dying heart. May Allah cure us. The heart that has no, no irritation at all. Haram, I do it. Skip prayer, I do it. Do this, I do it. That's not a good sign, right? But then there's another level, a little bit better, but still kind of worrisome, which is what? I do it but I still resent the fact that I'm doing it as I do it. Like I pray, but I'm like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. Or I stay away from something haram, but I'm like thinking about it the whole time. Right? Maybe I look twice. Right? Maybe I don't lower my gaze. Maybe I wish that I could. You see some things and you're like, man, you know, I saw this morning that somebody won a million dollars betting that Deion Sanders football team would beat Nebraska. 
All right, some guy bet some money and he won a million dollars. I think he bet like a thousand and he won a million dollars on a bet. What does the Muslim feel when they see that? Oh man, why is betting haram? No, we should never feel that. We should feel what? Inni saqim. I feel sick. This is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ felt when he was in Mecca and he saw what people were doing. This is why he left. This is why he went to Ghari Hira. Because he could not be in the environment of immorality. He could not sit there and take it. So it's one thing for us to say, you know what, this is haram, we shouldn't do this, right? We're Muslims, we know better. But what I'm saying is, according to the Qur'an, according to what makes Prophet Ibrahim a friend of God, you and I should aspire to get to the level where when we see something that we know is wrong, I'm not saying that we become judgmental, right? Notice he doesn't say, you make me sick. He says, I feel sick. Right? Big difference. If you see something that you know is wrong, we don't ever try to make the person feel horrible. No, we just say that this makes me feel uncomfortable. This makes me feel out of place. And I'm not going to try to do that. And I'll tell you a story, subhanAllah, what happened the other day. One of the brothers said, fresh cut, jazakallah khairan, may Allah ta'ala reward you, right? keep doing this <laughs> i took musa for a haircut because my son was you know it was getting hot he had a helmet not a real one he had a hair helmet and also he's in love with cristiano ronaldo so he said he wants a haircut like cristiano ronaldo he also said after we go to umrah can we please go visit him and then he said baba can we go see him and i said look i don't know if we can ever meet that guy i have no clue and he goes but you have a blue check and i said that's what the heck <laughs> who even told you this and then I thought, maybe I can. Okay, so, but back to the story. We're sitting in the barber shop, okay, and we're getting our hair cut. And he's, he's getting his hair cut by one barber. I'm getting my hair cut by another barber. And one of the songs changes on the, on, the, on the music, on the playlist. And it's some song, I don't know exactly, I think it was Chris Brown or somebody. But there is so much explicit language in this song. Yeah, exactly. I love it so much and i'm sitting there and my son is six but he's like the kind of son that at night when it's bedtime he will he's like the angel on your shoulder he remembers everything he will go over every single thing that he experienced that day even though you thought he wasn't paying attention so it's bedtime and he's like baba do you remember today when you yelled when the person cut you off on the highway <laughs> what was that word <laughs> you know and just th that's a joke but he is that kind of kid so i see his eyes processing i see his mind working because he's listening to the song and the word is so explicit and it's so pronounced it's not even like a compound word you know at least throw some extra syllables in there to like confuse him it's just like one syllable boom and in my heart i started to feel it was like subhanallah i was like this is not good, man. And I, I started, you know, seesawing internally. What do I do? What do I do? So I asked the, the barber cut of my hair. I said, can you change the song? And he said, why? And I said, because do you not hear the language? Like I have a six-year-old kid here. And then he's like, oh, yeah, okay. And he goes and changes it to like, I forget, something else. I think Ed Sheeran or something. <laughs> so, but then subhanAllah, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, why was the only reason I wanted to change it? Because my son was here. Should it not have been enough that I don't want to be in that environment? 
me, a believer in Allah. My mother always told us, subhanAllah, Allah bless our mothers. She always said, don't remove the angels from where you are. The angels don't like being in places where fahisha is. They don't like bad language. They don't like vulgarity. They don't like nudity. They don't like filth, right? They don't like these things. She said, do you want to be in the place where the mala'ika are or they're, they're not? Where do you want to be? And I thought to myself, if my son weren't there, would I have had the courage to speak out about the nausea that I was feeling? I felt it, just like we all do. Like, you're in a place and you hear it, you're like, ugh. Right? There's jokes about it now, too. On TikTok, you'll see, like, what we do when our parents are in the room during a movie and the person's, like, hiding the screen. Let's think more about Allah than we do our parents. Because one day, you're going to be removed from your parents. One day, you're not going to be around people and you're going to see that same filth on the screen in front of you and you have to decide you're not alone though the angels are still there and they're they're hoping they're like yearning for you to do the right thing but sometimes without that external motivator we find ourselves weak my advice based on this ayah tonight which i thought amazing was let yourself feel the nausea don't try to like take that existential tylenol and be like i don't feel sick no it is good to feel wrong when something wrong is going on don't try to play it cool ah it's all right we're all mature adults here no you're all perverts is the problem right we're all mature adults is like a weird way to cover up for something we all know is wrong right and be the friend we talked about this in yusuf be the friend in surah yusuf be the one that brings it up to your friends don't you want everyone to go to paradise don't you want to be the one that says hey you know what we we know better Start that trend, that positive trend. The Prophet ﷺ, he spoke about this. In a very famous hadith, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, he narrates that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Man ra'a minkum munkaran. Whoever amongst you sees something that is wrong, then this person should absolutely do what they can to change it with their hand. Anything you see that's wrong, you have to do what you can to change it with your hand. If you can, فَإِن لَمْ يَسْتَطِيعْ if you're not able to like change the scenario with your with your your agency, then you have to at least say that I don't I'm not I'm not cool with this, right? And remove yourself as much as possible. And if you're not able to, because there will be some scenarios where you can't do anything and you can't even say anything, then he says what? Then at least in your heart allow that discomfort to happen. Don't silence the siren. Don't take away the alarm. The Prophet said, and that is the bare minimum of faith. That is the weakest level of faith, is that a person only feels it. We should be a little bit better about doing that. Now, what happens if the Prophet said, what did he say? He said that if a person does the right thing in those moments, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? He says, Allah Azza wa Jal. When you make that decision and that choice to do the right thing and remove the thing that is against Allah, Allah does what? Allah exchanges it for you. He changes it. He gives you better, right? So don't ever feel like for a moment, man, you know what? If I speak out or if I do this, I'm going to end up worse off. No, no, no. Allah will give you honor instead of embarrassment. You're not going to be embarrassed. You'll be a person that's seen as principled. You'll be a person that's seen in that moment as remarkable. Like maybe at the time I made that person confused, 
But I'm willing to bet, even though betting's hot on, I feel sick. I'm willing to guess that the guy that was cutting my hair thought about it after we left. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to guess that every time a song comes on that has that explicit language, I said it. I said, look, I don't, I, I don't want my son hearing this. I don't, like, I don't enjoy getting my hair cut to this, right? I should have said I just don't enjoy this. But anyways, I regret it. I'm guaranteeing you that he's going to think about it, inshallah, right? And that's what gives people that idea. They, they understand. And then if your name is like Muhammad, it's like a win-win, okay? All right, okay. So then he continues. Allah Ta'ala says, and they turned their backs on him and they, and they went away. What is this? Another lesson. If you're going to be close to Allah, you're going to lose some people in your life. It just is what it is. It's okay. It's okay to outgrow certain relationships. It's all right. All right? And I'm not telling you that you have to cancel people in your life. Right? You leave hard work on a Monday, on Tuesday. You have half of you know, the people that you have on your Instagram. You disconnect or you unfollow them and block them. That's not the goal. We're not trying to push people away. No, no, no. But we are allowing ourselves to be okay that when I make a choice that I know is good for me and my faith, that if somebody tries to hold me hostage and say, you know what, if you do this, then I'm not going to, we're not going to be cool anymore. We're not going to be close anymore. You should never, ever allow a person to manipulate you based on things that you're doing that you know is best for you. And if that person even, even like indicates that if you do this, that is best for you, that we're not going to be cool anymore, then you have to understand that that person doesn't ultimately want what's best for you. There will be many, many people in the fire of Jahannam. May Allah protect us. There will be many people in the fire of hell that will only be there because they listen to the bad suggestions of their friends. And likewise, there will be many people in Jannah that will only be there because they listen to the good recommendations of their friends. Which group do we want to be a part of? We ask Allah Ta'ala to help us. So then we know the story that Ibrahim went to the gods. He challenged them. He said to them mockingly, Aren't you going to eat? Why don't you speak? Right? So he basically was exhibiting their, 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 uh, their uselessness as idols. And then he struck them and broke them. Later they came back and they asked who did this. Ibrahim then after the entire moment, we went through this story on the other surah, so I'm going through it a little bit quickly here now. That he said, why would you ever worship that which you can make? Like you made it yourself. How does that make sense that you would devote yourself to something you made? You should devote yourself to the one that made you. The irony of that. Devote yourself to the one that created you. Not that which you create. Right? It doesn't make sense logically. And he says, Allah is the one who created you. And he's the one that knows whatever you do. They combated with him. And they said, what? Let's build a furnace, a fire, this pit, this blaze. And throw him in there. Allah Ta'ala summarizes that whole story we talked about as saying what? And they wanted to harm him, but we made them fail. They thought they were going to win, but we made them fail. Okay, now let's go. This is where the new part happens. He's leaving these people. Remember we said he had the conversation with his father. His father said, get out of here. I never want to see you again. If you, keep sta- if you, if you stay here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. And Ibrahim is praying for his father. Ya abati, ya abati. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask Allah to forgive you. Right? And then he's leaving. Man, subhanAllah. This is, the tafsir of this shook me today. Ibrahim, we talked about, is in a very, very vulnerable state in this moment. Kicked out by his family, by his community. 
has no one has has very very relatively he has like very little people with him some narrations said he had some extended family some narrations said that he had like one or two like people with him but he was effectively alone right by by comparison he had nobody with him so he now he's he's pronouncing something and remember we said this when a person is going through a moment of vulnerability sometimes they'll say something to give themselves courage i'm gonna be okay i'm gonna be okay why are they saying that because they're not they don't know if they're gonna be okay so they want to remind themselves so he says i am leaving now when you say i'm going somewhere where do you typically go you finish a sentence with a what a location i'm going home i'm getting out of here i'm going to another city you announce that you're not going to stay in this place right but where does he say he's going i'm going to allah i'm going to allah the tafsir says that ibrahim in this moment changed the arabic linguistic rule right he didn't say i was going to a place he said i'm going to go to allah Allah is where? Allah is not like us. He's not limited by time and place. But the tafsir said that Ibrahim said that no matter where I am, I'm going to never lose Allah as my anchor. Thus, I will be with him wherever I am. And Allah, does Allah Ta'ala say, He is with you wherever you might be. Allah Ta'ala can be with you wherever you might be. What's the precondition? That you're with Allah. Where? In your heart. Who am I thinking about? What choices do I make? So he says, in this very difficult moment, I'm leaving my family, I'm leaving my community. All he had to do, by the way, to get everyone to love him again was what? Just be quiet. All he had to do was just stop talking about religion. And everyone would have taken him back in. They loved him. His father was famous. It was good. But he says, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to get out of here. I'm not going to uh, uh, stay here and just be quiet. No, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to leave. And he says, I'm going to Allah. Allah will guide me. Some important steps here. How many of us have ever been in a scenario where we had to choose what was popular or what was right? How many of us have ever been in a scenario where we had to choose Allah or something else? That fork in the road, right? Some of you are not raising your hand. Some are. Thank you for those of you who are courageous. I know we all have. If you haven't, then maybe you have to think, everyone's been in a scenario where you have to choose Allah over something else, right? But here's the interesting piece to this. Ibrahim, salam, is showing us that in order for this whole experience to be successful, and in order for it to be easy, you have to take the first step. He doesn't say, Allah will guide me, and then I'll go to him. He says, inni dhahibun ila rabbi. My responsibility is to go back to Allah. My responsibility is to do what's right by Allah. Sayyahdini. And then he will guide me. See, this is, the, this is the, the, the conundrum. Many people wait for confirmation before they take the first step. But you know what that is? That's not faith. Faith is taking the step before you have the confirmation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Before you have the exact details. Imam Ghazali talks about this. He says, if you have a really good friend and they tell you, hey, let's go, what do you say to them? Let's say that one of your really good friends calls you right now and says, hey, what are you doing? Let's go. Just that phrase. How do you know how close you are? This is actually interesting. She says, you know exactly where they want to go. I would disagree. If I had a really good friend call me right now and say, let's go. 
And we're like super close. Nabil, it doesn't matter. I'm like, let's go. And then later I'm like, where are we going, by the way? My first response is like, let's go. Like, where are, I'm ready, right? That's how close we are. But if I have someone that I don't trust and they call me, they're like, let's go. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> they're like, it's me. I'm like, who is me? Remember, it's me, right? Humayun. No joke. I love Humayun, right? It's me. I'm going to pick a name that nobody has. Zulkarnain. It's me, right? I don't know if anyone here's name is Zulkarnain. Hopefully not, right? I'm like, and he's like, where are we going? I'm like, hold on. Hold on. Give me some details. How long are we going to be there? And then the famous, my favorite, who else is going to be there? Right? Who's the, what's the roster looking like? Okay? But when I ask those questions, it shows that I don't trust this person, right? Because if I trust them, I know that they've already thought these things out. So the level of trust that we have with Allah is directly related to the quickness that we're willing to go back to him. Many people are okay going back to Allah, but they have conditions. Oh, Allah, I want to come back to you. But will you answer my du'as first? Will you take away this pain first? Will you do this, 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 this first? See, that's, that's the disrespectful part. We don't set conditions for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. True best friends don't set conditions upon one another like that. If you want to be a friend of Allah, Allah says, let's go. You say, let's go, ya Allah. Wherever you want me to go. Wherever you want me to go. Qala inni I'm going to go to Allah. Sayyahdini. And then after that, I'll figure out wh- where he wants me to go after that. Then everything will be, if I'm with Allah, it doesn't matter where I'm going to go. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm happy as long as I'm with him. And isn't it the case, subhanAllah, that the true beloveds in your life, it's irrelevant where you are. It's irrelevant where you are. One of the best suhoors I've ever had in my life was on Beltline Road in the parking lot of a McDonald's. Because the Muslims took over IHOP. And there was no more space for us. And so we had to rush and get hash browns and biscuits. The most carb sandwich you ever thought in your life. And we sat there and we laughed and joked and had an amazing time as we were like racing to get our suhoor in. Why? Because the people that were there, wallahi, I love them. It doesn't matter. You could have fed me ribeye on the ocean. But if I don't love the people there, I don't want to be there. I'd rather be in the parking lot of McDonald's. Wherever Allah is, makes that place special for you and I. Be with Allah. Don't worry where that is. Just be with him. Qala, inni dahibun ila rabbi sayahdini. Rabbi, habli min salihin Oh Allah, can you please give me a righteous child? It's interesting. Ibrahim is lonely. SubhanAllah. In his loneliness, he asked for a son. This is very powerful. And especially for those of us that have, alhamdulillah, our parents with us, and maybe they're getting to that point where they're aging a little bit. The tafsir of this verse said, he prayed for his son because he felt isolated. It's easy for kids to assume their parents don't have feelings. It's easy for children to be like, my parents are just practical providers. But when you think, subhanAllah, of like the loneliness that a parent can feel, right? 
And I'll never forget, subhanAllah, when I first moved out of my house in Chicago, my mom almost seemed excited, like too excited. You know, like where that was like, are we okay? Yeah, I'm excited for your Habibi. Like, inshallah, you're going to be able to make a nice life for yourself and this and this, right? Super, super like bubbly, happy. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, a few years went by. Obviously, visit, call, all this kind of stuff, normal relationship. And then I think it was like 10 years after I moved out was the first time she ever told me that she cried every night that first week that I left. I said, Mama, you never told me. She said, I didn't want to make it hard on you. She goes, but I miss you, right? I miss you. And so it's, it's so interesting when you think about the, 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 the nature of relationship between parent and child, you don't ever think of that relationship as being like keeping, keep letting them not feel alone, right? Because when you look at a parent, you think of them as being like self-sustained, like they're, they're made, they're able to take care of themselves. But subhanAllah, if Ibrahim had to pray to Allah, give me a son because I'm lonely. I don't have anyone. I don't have any friends. Right? Today, you know, I, I, my backyard, I did, I did speed drills with Musa, a.k.a. Musa Ronaldo. <laughs> you know? And we played soccer a little bit. And uh, when I had to leave to come teach here, we did the high five and then the Ronaldo Sue thing, right, that he does. And he, you know, he, 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 always, he always tells my wife stuff, like emotional stuff, when, I'm, when, it, when it's like bedtime, whatever. So she texts me and she's like, you know, he said today was the best day of his life. And I was like, we did the same thing yesterday, but okay. <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> Cries just like his dad, you know, like. But subhanAllah, I told, you know, we were talking. Because today was the first nice weather day. So today was the first day that we can go outside and all that kind of stuff. Point being is that I'm now living in the experience of companionship with my best friend my son right and my daughter but then you think like my parents also need me as a best friend right so he the first thing he asks for he doesn't say Ola, give me an army Ola, do this this is he says Ola, give me a son give me a child keep me company heb and even the word heb right from hiba means gift he, he didn't say Ola, birth me a child he said it very beautifully. Oh Allah, gift me a child min al-salihin. Allah Ta'ala then says, فَبَشَّرُنَاهُ بِغُلَامٍ حَلِيمٍ We gave him the good news of not just any son, but a son that would have hilm, that would be so patient, so forbearing, so wonderful in character. Why do you think that is? Because his dad was the same way. And isn't it ironic, subhanAllah, that Allah gave Ibrahim السلام, the relationship with his son that he never had. The Quran, the Quran is truly a living book. Why? Because like we said, Prophet Yusuf and Prophet Yaqub had a phenomenal relationship. But there are people in the Ummah that do not have that relationship with their parents. I'm not saying to create drama if there is none. I'm not saying go home and be like, I don't know if we're Yusuf and Yaqub or Ibrahim and Azar, right? I don't want there to be drama. But if the reality is, you know what, Abdurrahman, my dad and I are not that close. Well, guess what? When you have your Ismail and your Ishaq, you can create that closeness that you wanted. That's your job. Your job is to stop from that culture propagating and change it. 
Just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Ibrahim a chance to do that, to build the relationship that he never had. All right, we didn't get to the point that I wanted to get to next week, inshallah. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us the ability to be more principled and beautiful like Ibrahim Salam. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to make us people that always make the right choice and that we always seek Allah no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what environment we're in, no matter who we're around, we seek Allah. We ask Allah Ta'ala to always give us good company, allow us to be those who are present amongst good friends. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that are good to our parents and that are good to our families and that we are good to our children and good to our siblings. Ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.